Welcome to Longview Baptist Church. Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I am Pastor John. This ministry is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find an answer to the tough questions. And remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. As we get ready to finish out this Sabbath day and head into another week, Headlong into it, uh, as a matter of fact, we don't uh, head timidly into it, do we? The day starts, and it's buckle up, right? It's everybody in. Those who retired are nicer to be able to just kind of slow and ease into the weeks, but those who have to get up and uh, do that daily grind know that Monday morning many times has that acidic feeling in your stomach because you know that there is a plate full of life that's right there waiting for you to digest. Amen? God's there. He's got it. He's under. He's under. He's got it under control. And uh, if you have your Bibles tonight, turn to Romans chapter fifteen. Romans chapter fifteen. Morning. Just to be encouraged tonight. Uh, this is. Um, this verse is basically it's a benediction. It's the second benediction of this chapter fifteen. But it's I like benedictions. Um, my dad always closed out services with benedictions. Anybody ever been to churches where the benediction, where, where the pastor gave a benediction or charge? I've done that some here. Um, I, I like them. I, to me, it's a challenge. It's almost, uh, in a sense, a parting blessing is what I see it as. And tonight's message is the God of all hope. The God of all hope. And really, I guess I could have said to capitalize all because there isn't hope apart from God. There's not hope for this nation. There's not hope for you. There's not hope for me. There's not hope for our families. There is no hope for anyone apart from the God of all creation. And tonight, basically, it's just the magnification of that. And it's looking at three things we're going to look at tonight as we recognize how important it is to not only see God for what he is in that respect and understanding that nothing can come good apart from him. Now, we can get things apart from God. I know this. You can take the bull by the horns, absolutely 100%. We uh, look early in Scripture, one of the most notable events in my, there's many, many, but the most notable to me uh, when I watch this play out is when Moses goes on this short hiatus to receive the Ten Commandments. They had no sooner, literally to me, just walked away and the people start complaining. God, he's not coming back. We need a God to go before us. And uh, evidently, Aaron was a man that didn't have much of a backbone, or he was not much of a leader, because he freaks out, and he says, well, just bring me all your gold. So they bring him the gold, and what does it do? He fashions this calf, golden calf. Now, we don't have time to go into the implications. Those of you who have watched the, or listened to the book on tape, uh, Return to the Gods, Jonathan Kahn, you will understand the significance, the golden calf, and that relation. We don't have time to go into that tonight, but there is great significance in that. There is great significance. But it's so profound to me. I don't know how many times I've read the but a bunch now that I've read the Bible. For I know for almost 20 years, every year. And every time I get to the part where the golden calf's been made, they're engaging in revelry, meaning they're partying. They're wearing it out. They're just having a big time. And then Moses shows up. And I, 
This, I can't help but literally visit, I audibly laugh every time that I read it. When Moses says, what, basically, where'd this come from? They threw the gold in the fire and out jumped the calf. Is, is the humor maybe just my own? Is that, I'm the only person that, isn't it interesting how foolish sin makes you? It literally makes you dumber than a box of hammers. Like my friend made with the claws ground off. That is how ignorant sin makes you. You are completely useless for the kingdom, just like a clawless hammer would be. But that's what sin does. And all the way back in the Garden of Eden, sin was making people foolish. I need to make some shirts, amen? Sin, making people, and we don't use that S word anymore, uh, foolish, it's basically another word for foolish. Sin, making people foolish since, you know, 7800 BC or whatever, right? That is what sin does. And tonight, though, the God of all hope that can give us strength out of the desire to want to run, out of the desire to, to stay not desperate for him, the God of all hope can fill us with his power, his presence, and give us a peace that passes all understanding. But I hope tonight, again, as we read this benediction, we work through it, that it encourages you and challenges you. It encourages you to stand firm, to stand steadfast. Remember the people here tonight, hey, they love preacher. Sunday nights, remember that? And then Wednesday night, when you love what? Jesus, I'm just messing with you. That's just kind of a funny statement. Hope you didn't think I was being serious in that. Because I know that if anybody's here to show me how much they love me tonight, everybody would be here. Look at there, I finally got a laugh out of you. So... I hope you found Romans 15. We're going to look at verse 13. And if you're able, let's stand tonight out of reverence for the reading of God's word. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, speak to our hearts tonight, Lord, as only you can. Hide me behind the cross, Father, so that you alone might be preeminent, glorified, exalted, honored, lifted up. And we ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. There's a lot going on in this verse. This is what happens when you really meditate and you study Scripture. You read this and you're just like, you know, this is just kind of a parting benediction, but there's a bunch in this. And first part, in the first part of 13... Now, may the God of hope, and we'll stop there. The God of hope, first thing that I want to share with you tonight is this. Our God is the only God who brings hope. There is no other God that brings hope, real, true, lasting hope. Now, what is hope? Hope is in the promise of something, right? Being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see, because remember, when you're hoping Usually that's not something that is a tangible item that you can touch at that moment. I hope we're able to close on the house. I hope it doesn't rain so we can have our family reunion. Think about all the things that hope can point to. What's so awesome about the hope that we have in Christ is that it is a hope, as Scripture says, it will not disappoint. It will not let us down. This God that we serve is a God that's not giving us as all other religions around the planet, the only one is evangelical Christianity by placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Every other religion, they are doing a set of works in the hope 
in the hope or promise of some type of reward. I'm sorry, but that's not good enough for me. I'm not about to roll the dice and play, in a sense, uh, some kind of cheap card game in the hopes that what we're doing is going to have a tangible, lasting meaning and value. That's what's so profound about the real work of the Spirit is there is not a doubt in my mind beyond a shadow, though I cannot conceivably begin to comprehend the mind of God. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind that not only did Jesus Christ walk the earth, that Jesus Christ was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, buried, and third day rose from the dead. I don't, beyond a shadow of a doubt, have any doubt in my mind that that happened. This is what you'd know if you knew me well enough. I don't sit around and mess with anything that is a maybe or a might. I would be a terrible gambler because I'd be all in, I'd lose everything. There is something I know tonight. It's grace we've been saved through faith, not of works. It is the God that works in us and wills us to do his good pleasure, his good purpose. The spirit of God dwells within me tonight. That is the tangible receipt that is the wellspring of my hope tonight. Because the physical work of God and the meeting of needs in my life on a daily basis leaves undeniable proof of the work of God, the power of God, the supernatural provision of God. It is undeniable. Now, I ask you, are you experiencing that? Are you experiencing the God of all hope that brings hope, that that is gifting hope as part of the inheritance as followers of Jesus Christ, do you have that same hope tonight? If not, I pity you. And I say that with all sincerity because I can't imagine serving the Lord but being hopeless in it. And if you are a follower of Christ tonight or a professed follower of Christ tonight but you are hopeless, we need to talk. Because that is not living in the fullness of Christ. Now, are there going to be times when you battle struggling with hopelessness, or maybe you have a family uh, lineage, maybe you have an issue with uh, clinical depression. By the way, if you have a clinical depression issue, there's nothing unspiritual about you. You're not any less of a Christian than anybody else. And if you have to go to a doctor and they have to put you on antidepressant, there's nothing wrong with you. You are not flawed. There is nothing inherently unspiritual or any less than me or anyone else for that matter who, like myself, lives on cloud nine. So please know that, and that's one of the things I'm so thankful that God has given me that medical ability to understand what depression is and understand that I have known, and I think God allowed me to have some really good godly people in my life that struggle with clinical depression so that I could really tangibly watch some very godly people go through some demonstrous, horrible, horrible lows. And I'm so thankful that God allowed me to have that because I can't imagine if my platform was what I've experienced in some churches with people and pastor friends that believe that that is only a faith issue. And if you just pray enough, and if you do this and you do that, then all your depression's gonna leave. And you know, I understand there's issues in life sometimes that can preclude that, that there's issues that can lead us into depression unrepentant sin and there's a lot of things but listen there's generational things and there's things God can heal anything I recognize that but also God gave us the gift of what of doctors so when you've explored all the roads that could potentially lead to that and you've dealt with any spiritual issues that could have been causing that or the root of that 
and you dealt with generational things in your family and things that could lead to that, and you did all of that, I don't have any problem, and I think I would not be being faithful as a pastor and a shepherd if I said, well, you shouldn't go to the doctor, you should just sit and try to wait it out. Because I know people that aren't alive right now because pastors have encouraged them in that. And as a matter of fact, many, many years ago at Longview Baptist Church, I'll never forget, I sat down with a couple, and they were much, much, much older than myself many years ago, and they were having a real tough time. They were having a very difficult time. I'm just sitting back listening. That's what I do. I listen. And I was just listening to Dynamic. I met about three times. And on the third time, I said, hey, I want you all to do me a favor. If you want me to meet with you anymore, you've got to, uh, you've got to agree to do something. But if you do not agree, I will not any longer meet with you. What's that? I need you to go to your doctor, and I want you to talk to them about a potential for each of you having depression. And ask your doctor what he thinks about it, and I want you to have a conversation with him about it. So that's fair enough. So about a week later, they come back, and they had gone to the doctor. Two weeks later, they come to the doctor, they'd gone, and both of them had been put on a medicine, not a real heavy medicine, not hardcore, just a very light dose of medicine. And what I began to watch is two people who were literally like two rams on the side of a mountain on a commercial when you see them just mutton head to head. I saw two people fall in love like I'd never seen two people fall in love in my life. And that couple came to me about eight months later and said, do you realize that we're still married because you encourage us to go to our doctor? And to this very day, this family is doing amazing because they had untreated clinical depression. See, there's a lot of things we don't think about with the fact that the God of all hope, he can do anything, but at the same time, God has gifted us with physicians and God has gifted us in the medicinal. And remember, one of the things we're, we're plagued with is what? We're in a fallen world. Do you think I just have ADD because God was sitting around and goes, let me see, I'll just strike you with ADD and you just enjoy that? No. It's part of, I think it's part of the chemicals that around the 70s, we were just inundated with chemicals and everything from the food we eat. There's so many different things that affect things in utero. But God has allowed me to be able to use this battle that I have with attention deficit disorder that many of you have. I know I've talked to many about this. And you could see it as an affliction, or you can use it as a way with which God's able to use for the kingdom and to glorify and honor him. Amen? So we've just got to be careful because the God of all hope, he is the God of all hope. He is the God of all peace. He is the God of the peace that passes all understanding. But again, we're in a fallen world. And what's so beautiful about that is we see this and we unfold this. Listen, here it is, the second part of it. May he fill you with all joy and peace, and then the qualifier... As you believe. So we've got a pre-qualifier there. May the God of all hope, what? May he fill you with all joy and peace, but then as you believe. So how do you think this is going to work if you're sitting there going, you know, I just don't buy this stuff that God's intimately involved in the lives of people. I'm going to just sit around and wait for this joy and peace to come, and then I'll, I'll trust that he is who he is. It's not going to work like that, is it? Because remember what happened in Jesus' hometown? What about the miracles in Jesus' hometown? It says he didn't do many there. Why? They didn't believe him. Hey, who's this? We saw this guy growing up. 
This can't be anybody special. He's from here. Faith without works is dead. Works without faith is dead. Faith, being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Second thing I want to share with you tonight, our God is the only God who can fill you with all joy and peace. But it takes the act of obedience. It takes the faith in believing, just as those words say right there, underline them if you have and the ability to do that, as you believe. Do you believe that God, in the midst of your circumstances, can do what Ephesians 3.20 promises? Go see Miss Beverly and you'll see what that's in action. You'll see it in action. You'll see what you would probably or I not be able to deal with, but then you watch exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. God's ability to allow us to rise above whatever the circumstances of the moment are. The pain, the trial, the tribulation, and saying, okay, I'm going to sit here because I'm so sick and tired of being a Christian and never getting a break that I'm going to curse my blessings. God, how can you do this once again? I've given my life to ministry. How could you allow to happen to our family what happened to us? And I have to justify that you're good? How about, why not my family? Why not me? Scripture, consider it pure joy. When you face trials of many kinds, James 1, the testing of our faith, so that we might be found complete, not lacking anything. Why not me? But sadly, our cultural belief about Christianity is, Oh, when, when God's happy with you, everything's nice. It's Lake Placid. That's what I call work sometimes. I, I get them laughing a lot because, you know, they call it the waters, right? So I walk in there and everything's a disaster. And I go, it's like I'm at Lake Placid this morning. You know what Lake Placid is, right? Placid, calm. Church, Placid, okay. Amen. Just give me a thumbs up. And, you know, they kind of chuckle because they're like, yeah, right. It's hey, just, it's all in the mind. It's Placid. Keep the waters calm. Just trying to rise above the situation, right? Keep your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. But it's easy for us because we've been so culturally trained in Christendom, right? In evangelical Christianity that, remember, God is the God that makes all the waves go away. And when things aren't going well, it's got to be because you have some unrepented sin in your life. That's not biblical. But we still believe that because I deal with Christians day in and day out that have believed this thing that they've been taught that, hey, when things are going well, everything's wonderful. Actually, let me just give you the real truth. When things are calm, you better get scared to death. Do you know why? Because the promises, the trials, and the tribulations... And if you are tromping in the enemy's territory, you've done made somebody mad, and it's going to get nasty. And when you're out being a true disciple, you're going to be attacked in every way possible. So why is it as Christians, when you are in obedience and you get attacked, do we run from it? And we want it to stop. Is that not interesting, huh? We want all the trials and tribulations to stop. 
where the attacks stop when what? When we're in a place of disobedience. When we're not a threat to the enemy. He leaves us alone. And yet we think that that's the place to dwell. Ironic, isn't it? But see, that's what happens when you tell a lie enough times, it becomes truth to some people. It doesn't change truth, but they buy that as truth. And that's why it's so fundamentally important for us to know truth and to rest and reside and live in the midst of the God, which is the only one that can fill us with all joy and peace as we believe. Do you believe that he's the only source of filling with peace? Or do you believe that new raise, that new house, that different church, that different community, that different state? If I just get away from Tennessee, everything's going to be fine. Keep telling yourself that. You're going to go nowhere fast. You can go to that new state. You can get that new job. And I promise you, you will find the trouble that you think you're trying to run from. Because really, the place change starts is in that hula hoop, and it starts with you. If you can't keep yourself from hanging out with those relationships that aren't good here, you're not going to do it there. You're going to find a new set of people, and they're probably going to be more reprobate than the ones you found here. So just get it comfortable with learning to stand up for truth and to defend truth right now before you believe that you've got to go run and spend all that money and do all that you think you need to do to find that place of perfect peace. See, the God of all hope will fill you He will give you everything you need to live a life of godly, holy living. You just have to desire it, and you have to chase it with everything in you. You have to wake up every day and do what Joshua said. Choose you this day whom you will serve. But if me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And when you wake up and don't feel like that, I will tell you what to do. Default to that. So you say it whether you believe it or not. Because what will happen is you will begin to live a lifestyle that will glorify and honor Christ. Because working for the Lord, living for the Lord, serving the Lord has nothing to do with feeling. It has nothing to do with waking up and going, do I feel godly today? If so, I'm going to just go bananas for Jesus. There's probably a lot of mornings that you feel about as spiritual as my pinky does on a bad day. And that's not good. Amen? And those are the days that you have to choose that day who you're going to serve. And you must do it. You have to do it. Because if you don't, we always default to our default, which is not glorifying Christ. It's serving self. It's yielding to the selfish desires and proclivities of the human condition, which is ultimately to serve self. And it's to do nothing for the kingdom. Absolutely zero. And a lot of times, we justify our disobedience because, well, you know, I just, I've just had a hard time. Well, hadn't we all? Join the club. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. In all things give thanks, for this is God's will in Christ Jesus concerning you. Do we need to go on? See, the scripture admonishes us no matter what. To glorify, to honor, and to lift up the name above all names. And we could go again. We could do this for days. And then the last part in verse 13. So we got now. You may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe. Ready? So that you may overflow with hope. Here's the power behind it. By the power of the Holy Spirit. So this hope that we're overflowing with is not even of ourselves. 
It is a gift from God so that we will overflow by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is the third and final thing I want to share tonight is this. Only in the Holy Spirit can we overflow with hope. We cannot unless we are walking in the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, be filled to overflowing with anything other than misery. We cannot walk alone and, and endure anything else other than a euphoric high that is of this world that is gone about as fast as somebody who's had nitrous gas at your dentist. The moment they pull that gas away, what happens? You're right back to reality, and you're in a fog until then, aren't you? Because all that does is blur reality for a short period of time. It's like a drug. And that's what happens if you and I are not walking, filled, and yielding to the Spirit, we are literally on a drunken high from the enemy. And it is a lie, it's a facade, it's a mirage. It is not even reality in no sense of the word. But see, sin is fun for a season. We've got to be careful. Because when we buy into that, we begin to think that, well, maybe I'm the one, maybe I'm the one that will get away with it. Maybe I'm the one that can live in direct defiance and disobedience to the Lord, but God may bless it. God can't bless a mess, church. God can't bless a mess. Do you want to be filled with the Spirit? Do you want to overflow with all hope? Guess what? Only by being yielded to the Holy Spirit can you overflow with the love, the peace, the joy, and the contentment, and the hope that's found in knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior. There's no other way. There's no other hope. There's no other peace. There is no other joy. You don't like what's going on in life right now? Tell him. Don't tell me, tell him. Tell God. All we're going to do if we start pouring that out to each other is we're looking for sympathy. Sympathy. Sympathy for the blessings of God. Well, wait a minute, Brother Jonathan. The trials aren't blessings, are they? Well, the Bible says, consider yourself blessed that you've suffered for the name of the Lord. So if you are suffering for Christ in any respect, in any form or any fashion, and it's causing you undue hardship, you are considered blessed. God considered you worthy enough to allow this tribulation to be placed on you. He's growing you. He's preparing you for something. Remember my thumb last year, and I came in here that first week, and I said, church, I don't know what I've always heard, I've always known that God always allows to go through things preparing us for others. I couldn't imagine not realizing the words I spoke, what truth was in those words, but it is true. God prepares us. And the deeper the trial, the tribulation, the greater the work that God's preparing us for, or the greater suffering that we might endure. I'd lose both my arms and legs if I could go back and change December 9th of 2022. I'd do anything. I'd sit in a wheelchair the rest of my life and never move a muscle in my body. But it's not about what I think, is it? It's about what God's perfect plan and will is and the allowance of God to allow things to happen sometimes that don't make any sense. But it's not about me having to make sense to me. It's not my, I'm not God. God doesn't have to ask me. He never has, he never will. Because God does perfect in his perfect time and his perfect plan what is perfectly in line with his, his being glorified and working out 
this beautiful path and beautiful work and artwork that those black strokes, canvas, I can't stand to be a part of sometimes. What I'm saying about those, I use the black strokes as those that are very difficult, very hard, very tough times that we go through. We want the yellows and we want the reds and we want those beautiful colors that just bring out vibrance and life and hope and joy. We run from the grays. We run from the blacks because that's indicative of pain. And I guess it doesn't take a rocket scientist to say how many people are going to run and embrace pain. I, I don't want to run from it. I want to embrace the pain that God uses because I know that God's pain has a purpose and a plan behind it. Whether it is a corrective in correcting attitudes or correcting actions, or maybe it's a preparation for pain that might much greater exceed the level of pain in one circumstance, or maybe God allows us to endure a physical pain only to have to ultimately, as we, that day with me, endure an emotional pain that made this pain nothing. Church, the God of all hope is the I am. He's the I, the singular God of all creation. There is no God above God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. There is no other God. There is no other name above all names. He is the singular, the I, and I always say the am. When you think about I, it's showing singular form. There is no other God. And the am, he is the am, which is the all-inclusivity of everything else in all of creation. Without him, there is nothing. He is, again, the uncaused cause. There's nothing that exists apart from him. Doesn't make sense to me. I can't even fathom that. I just, that... Because rightfully, we go to the human perspective of, may God... God always has been and always will be. Though it's so much beyond the scope and comprehension of what I recognize I am limited by, I am finite. But he is infinite. The God that can transcend time, how in the world can my finite mind grasp a God that can be anywhere in all of time and creation at the same moment. Is that not powerful? And to think that I don't trust him, when yet he holds everything, everything in the palm of his hand, every child that's ever been conceived or ever will be, knits together in the mother's womb, if truth is truth. It's beyond, absolutely so far beyond the ability for us to imagine and comprehend. And that's why Ephesians 3.20 is such a comfort to me. Unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. According to the power that works in us, what power? The Holy Spirit of God. The same one we're dealing with right here. And that's the only one in the Holy Spirit, we can overflow with all hope. I hope tonight that you're overflowing with all hope. I hope you're overflowing with all peace. And I hope as I read this verse again, think about it as I say it slowly. Now may the God of hope fill you 
with all joy and peace as you believe so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You have no hope unless the Holy Spirit of God dwells within you. There is no way possible that you can overflow in all hope, in all peace, in all joy, unless you are walking with the Creator. I pray tonight as you go home, anything that's hindering your ability to commune with the Father, to fellowship with Him, if there's anything tonight that's hindering your prayer life, maybe you've got something, you're mad at somebody, you're from work this week, or you're mad at mom or dad, you're mad at, at your wife or husband, you're mad at somebody, and you realize, if you're honest with yourself, that it's hindering your ability to go boldly into God's presence. And maybe tonight, as you're sitting there, you've been recognizing there's this wall up, but you haven't recognized until now that you're the unmerciful servant in the parable, the unmerciful servant, and you're furious, and you're wanting right now to fix what needs to be fixed, but you just recognize that that unforgiveness or that bitterness you have has walled you off from God's presence. I want to encourage you tonight to do something. If you're just now starting to think about that, I want you to meditate on it a little bit, and I want you to think about it going home. And I want you to recognize what it is and what it does and how it prevents you from boldly going into God's presence. And tonight, you need to get by yourself, and you need to get on your face before God and repent of it. Do not allow this day to close with that bitterness, that wall of separation. If there's something that needs to be dealt with, maybe you need to get on the phone tonight and you need to make a phone call and you need to ask somebody for forgiveness. Maybe you need to ask somebody that you've hurt for their forgiveness. Maybe you need to tell somebody who has hurt you that you need their forgiveness. But right now, if you continue with the way things are going, you are going to continue to have prayers going absolutely nowhere. By the way, I get cancer. Don't show up at my house praying for me when I ask you to come over. If you've got unrepented sin, stay home. You know why? It says the prayer of the what availeth much. Thank you. Walking in unrighteousness, how do you call your prayer righteous? You get my, my drift? What is a follower of Jesus Christ, dwelling in God's presence, know well? Repentance. They know repentance. Are some days they're going to repent more than once? Yeah. You're going to find out that your attitudes, your actions, you're going to find out that you're completely out of step with God's desire for your life, and you'll have to repent of it. If you repented ten times in a day, does that make you any less godly than anybody else? No. No less. What it shows, you're sensitive to the conviction of the Spirit of God and you're desiring to dwell in God's presence. And anything that could hinder your ability to dwell in His presence, you deal with. Because you know the importance of that. You know what you also know? You also know the importance of your prayer when you're not dwelling in God's presence. When you don't know what it's like to be in God's presence or you've been outside of it, you know what it's like to be outside and you don't want to be outside because it's a miserable place. But also, you know what happens when you're praying and your prayers don't reach the one they need to reach nothing happens, does it? Because God can't answer us when we are in defiant, unrepented sin. God doesn't hear our prayers, church. Only when we do what 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you know what that does? It removes the wall of separation that we erected. God didn't erect it, we did. Our sin erects a wall the same way with the Israelites. When there was sin, they were placed outside of the camp in the desert. 
Why? Because sin had to go outside the camp. When you were defiled, you got the, the ramifications, you got the fruit of your choices, and you were placed outside. Why was that done? So that those actions would stop, and they could be restored back to fellowship, and God was in essence saying, there's nothing outside of this camp but loneliness. There is a separation. You are are, are cast out. You're apart from what I have created you to be. Think about what the camp would be like. Think about a wagon train in early American history. What did they do? They took those wagons and they lined them one by one around and they'd make a protective circle in there and they'd have a fire in the middle. What would that do? Help keep the wild animals out. There was a protection within that. Brothers and sisters, when we're in sin, we remove that protection from God. We are telling God, I'm gonna do what I wanna do Thank you, Lord. I'll catch you later on. Only in us recognizing the sin that we're in and confessing that is there able to once again through that forgiveness, that restoration removes that barrier and we can dwell in God's presence. Church, I want you to do that. I want you to fill to overflowing with the Spirit's power. You have to believe it. By the way, you have to believe it to receive it. Amen? You've got to believe that God in total faith, that God can fill you with all hope, fill you with all peace, fill you with all joy, and it happens when you are walking in the Spirit, living in the Spirit, dwelling in His presence. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that God's Word has encouraged you. You feel like you've had fellowship and been at home with family. Today, if God has moved in your heart, and today you would like to make Him not only the Savior, but the Lord of your life, first, it's important to know that we are sinners. We're born sinners. No one can bridge the gap that was separated when sin broke what God had created so beautifully. If today you know you're a sinner in need of a savior and you know that Jesus Christ was born, lived a sinless life and died on the cross to pay for your sin. Today, if you want to, you can trust him as your Lord and savior. It requires you to pray and in faith, ask him to save you, to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you and you wanna live for him. I pray today if you do that, that you will reach out to us. We would love to get you connected in a church body, a church home, wherever that might be, and get discipleship around you so you can grow in this new life that you found in Christ. Read God's word. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God bless you.